Welcome for today's Bible study. Um, when we were last together last Sunday, those of you who remember and probably will be asking you to do the same unless you're using your phone, we we started out on something we were calling the Jacob generation. That was on the Salmon bit, if I recall very well. Eh? Now, what actually happened is that um, after the sharing, one very dear brother by the name of Mr. Kemboy, hoping that he's, uh, he's on, um, asked if there was more material that we could I could share to build um, to build on that um, message. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take last Sunday's sermon, then build it. Okay, just just grow it. But um, you'll have to go to last Sunday's sermon to see um, how we started out and uh, how we grew the message, and then I will pick it up for that because if you remember, I didn't even share the the the, the Jacob principles. I only shared the ESO principle because of time. Eh? But just as a quick recap, um, I did mention that the Bible is a book written in metaphors, parables, and allegories. Uh, when you read Genesis 25, verse 23, the woman was told, two nations are in your womb, two manner of people. Those are the words you see in the scriptures. Eh? that uh, two nations, two manner of people. You know, the Bible could have very easily said you have two children, you have twins. <laughs> so meaning that this is much more deeper than just, um, you know, children. Um, the word manner we say, there are synonyms like category, type, kind, or breed. Uh, not only would their manners and dispositions greatly differ from each other, but their interests will contend with each other. Okay? According to Galatians 5.17, it talks about um, the spirit and the flesh, and they say that um, these two are in conflict with each other. So, essentially, that's what the Bible is saying, that um, Esau and Jacob, though twins, and um, they will be in conflict with each other. And remember, they're not just dealing with Esau as um, a person. We're dealing with um, Esau as a breed of people and Jacob as a breed of people. Because that is what the Bible says, two nations are in your womb, two manner of people will come out of you. Okay? And apparently, and I need to say this, there are only two kinds of people. An Esau people and a Jacob people. Okay? So I mentioned that there are two nations on the face of the earth and um, they are in constant um, contest and conflict between each other. The Jacob nature is always warring um, the the Esau's nature, and the other way around, the Esau nature is always warring um, uh, the Jacob nature. Uh, the Bible talks about um, the conflict between King Saul or the house of Saul and David. The Bible says. It was there for a long time. And I wanted to say that even this battle between an Esau generation and uh, a Jacob generation, it's a long drawn battle. And I was asking the question, I'm recapping, uh, who is winning in your life? Who is winning this battle? 
who is winning this conflict. Um, so this is more than a historical narrative, but it's a story of Christianity. Okay, the two dynamics that are taking place within all of us. Okay, so I also mentioned that Kamal and being brothers, they are twins, proceeding from the same source. Their destinies are, are pronounced by the unseen God, even before they are born. And you can read the scripture in Romans nine, which we did, verse eleven to thirteen. Now, God makes a very strong statement. Esau, uh, I have hated. Okay, and uh, I say that um, God knew that though Esau given a chance to change, he would not. Okay, all the actions that he wants to take in life would simply be a reflection of who he really was. That. He, they will be pointers to his makeup, his composition, his configuration, his constitution, and disposition. Okay? And disposition. So, God who sees, and he saw this way ahead prior to these children coming to the earth, he knew that the, the man, irrespective of nature, his nature would always prevail irrespective of nature, because they came up and they were, they were raised in the same environment, you know, by the same parents, you know, but um, irrespective of nature, I think uh, it was in church one time I said, ideal conditions don't always make ideal people. I think that needs a second take. Ideal conditions don't always make ideal people. Judas was in a very ideal conditions to become a great apostle. But if you look at the end of Judas, the Bible actually, Jesus himself called him a devil. He says, have I not chosen you, the, chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? Yet the man ate from the same bowl. The man slept on the same mat with the rest and where Jesus was. I mean, what can be a more ideal environment than being next to Jesus? But look what he turned out to be. He turned out to be a devil. Okay. So we are looking at the ASOS philosophy. I'll go through this quickly because of time. And we said that a philosophy is a system of beliefs, concepts, and attitudes of an individual. It is someone's operating system, like the machines we're using here. Okay? This system can be a womb, bathing greatness, or it can be a tomb, burying life, best sons and daughters. Very, very important. Our system of beliefs and concepts and attitudes can be a womb that can bath greatness, or it can be a tomb that buries life's best sons. An ill-conceived philosophy can be limiting or blinding. If you read Psalm 78, verse 40 to 42, using the King James, the Bible says that, um, um, and I just taken a bit of that, it says that they limited the Holy One of Israel. Okay? They limited the Holy One of Israel, meaning it is actually possible to limit God. And I was giving the example of Jesus when he went to his um, hometown and the Bible says that um, he could there, you remember me saying that? He could there, not that he could not do mighty works, but it is there. He could there do no mighty works in that place. Why? They saw him as a carpenter. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not the carpenter? Aren't his brothers here with us? It is, it is. So the moment you reduce a son of God 
to a carpenter, I mean, really, what do you expect? You know, miracles will not be coming your way. So we also say that we are all products of some school of thought, some philosophy or some beliefs. Please uh, mind those rules and mind those philosophies that um, guide and govern your life. I want to quote for you, I didn't do this last time, but I want to quote for you Hebrews 12.15. In your free time, you can look at this. Use the message translation, the message Bible. I love this, I love this, I love this, I love this. The message Bible says, Hebrews 12.15, watch out for the ESO syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short time appetite. Let me say that again. Hebrews 12, 15, using the Message Bible, watch out for the ESO syndrome. Read, watch out for the ESO philosophy, the ESO system of beliefs, the ESO mentality, the ESO configuration, way of, you know, um, uh, leading his life. Watch out for the ESO syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. And that is ESO 101. That is ESO for you. Acutely short-sighted, never planned on the long term. Spiritual things have no, or rather he has no respect for spiritual things. They are irrelevant to him. A typical man ruled by the flesh. Okay? He, 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 he has no values which can be termed as eternal. Everything about him is very, um, uh, he's a typical man that is ruled by the flesh. Okay? Um, by deliberately ignoring the eternal factor in the eternal God, he was forfeiting for fating his contribution in eternal things of God. In other words, if there was something that God had planned for him that was eternal in nature, that would have relevance over and above the life that he lived, you know, physically on earth, the man succeeded, it succeeded rather, in short-circuiting that. He succeeded in just um, uh, 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 destroying it, making it ineffective because of this syndrome of um, short mindedness short-term mindedness so he never learned the lifelong molding virtues of self-control <laughs> that's it so for you never learned the lifelong molding virtues of self-control temperance and delayed gratification he is a slave of the sensual totally at the mercy of the flesh okay his appetites are way out of line you know, he even um, <laughs> exaggerated when, um, you know, he wanted to eat that uh, pottage, that stew that uh, Jacob had made. He says, I'm so hungry, huh? I'm about to die. And that is what I call deeply impulsive, hasty, rash, and premeditated. Engages fast without the benefit of thought. So, for today, and I've taken about 10 minutes to just try and recap, um, I would like us to look at the philosophy of Jacob, okay? Because that's what I didn't do last time. And uh, you'll be looking at Genesis 25, Genesis 25, verse 29 to 32. Genesis 25, 
just to get an insight into who Jacob is, okay? And uh, that fact, we can even go all the way to verse 33. And the first thing that I've said about Jacob philosophy, I call it first things first, okay? But in fact, let me go ahead and read that scripture for you. Now, Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with the same red stew for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is a birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. Now, Jacob understands that there are things that need to be done first. Get a birthright first. Get enlisted, get enrolled with God's order, God's divine order before anything else. His first priority, church, is to get connected to a spiritual divine order. Uh, those of you who have been in church for a while, you probably remember me giving a story. Uh, it's a famous story that has been given by other people about this professor who comes to the classroom, the lecture room, with a huge glass and quietly proceeds to put some huge stones until, you know, it comes to the top, to the brim. And then ask the classroom or the, the students, ask them, is this full? And of course they say it is full. And then he takes little pebbles, you know, more finer than the huge rocks. And he puts them within the cracks. And he keeps on, you know, piling and piling and piling until it gets to the top. Then he asks the question again, is this full now? And he says, yes, now it is full. And then he proceeds to take uh, water. And then he puts the water, okay? And puts water until it comes to boom. And then he says, is this, is this full now? Now, the point in that um, story was that um, he had to put fast things fast. Okay, I mean, that's the only way I can put it. He, he needed to know what to put first because imagine if you put water, then the stones will not fit without pouring the water. So there is a way in which things begin to line up. Either it is career, it's marriage, it's relationships. When you appreciate the order, what I call divine order. And that's exactly what Jacob does. He understands that the first things must be put first. And the first thing is to get connected to a spiritual divine order. We must bring a sense of divine order back in our lives. For me, that is very important. It is very easy, I'm reading my notes verbatim, it is very easy to get caught up in the fast lane or the rat race of activity, especially with the demands of life escalating every day and hence lose out on what is significant. Lose out on what is significant. Get so caught up. I mean, they are, our attention span is so small these days because there are just too many things to do, too many balls in the air, so many things which you're doing. Sometimes we forget that we need to first and foremost be connected to a divine order. 
I call lack of doing that misplaced priorities. Don't confuse the important with the urgent. The urgent is Esau saying he's hungry, okay? What is important is his birthright. Don't confuse the important with the urgent, okay? Don't confuse the important with the urgent. The urgent things are the things which feel like I've got to do it now, okay? And often it is um, something which the flesh is 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 driving. If you read Proverbs 24 verse 27, very good scripture, very good scripture. Um, it talks about, let me see if I can get it. Yes, I have it here. Proverbs 24 verse 27, it says, prepare your outside work. Make it fit for yourself in the field. Afterward, build your house. Let me read that using the Living Bible. Develop your business first before building your house. Develop your business first before building your house. In other words, the Bible is saying there are things that need to enter first. Like the rocks are to enter the vase first. Okay? So that the other things, the marriages and the relationships and the careers can be able to fit. And divine order is absolutely uh, imperative. Matthew 6.33, one of the most familiar scriptures, it talks about seek the kingdom first, then all these other things are added. So, principle number one of Jacob, philosophy number one of Jacob, first things first. Divine order is paramount. Okay? Number two, it doesn't matter how long it takes. That is a principle of this gentleman called Jacob. And we call that in simple language, patience. If you read Genesis 29 verse 20, so Jacob seven years served, sorry, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Okay? It doesn't matter how long it takes. The man appreciates the whole aspect of if something is valuable to me, it doesn't matter how long it takes, I'm going to stay at it. Winners are governed by purpose and are always married to the end. i say that again. Winners are governed by purpose and are always married to the end. I think I was saying it in our Thursday meeting, uh, Bible study, that um, the best definition I ever came across on success is consistency of purpose. Consistency of purpose. Winners are single-minded, yet never narrow-minded. There's a difference. Winners are single-minded, never narrow-minded. Okay? Narrow-minded just simply means people seeing things through very small, little pigeonhole outlooks, okay? Um, they are single-minded simply means they are very focused. Jesus speaking, I believe in Matthew 6, he says, if your eye be single, then your whole body is full of light, okay? Because there is a risk of becoming a spiritual squint, for lack of a better word. You know, you are seeing here, your eye is seeing here and seeing here, Okay? and uh, you are unable to target what you want to uh, move after. We have said it in church before, uh, if you want to catch a rabbit, chase one. 
you know, if you want to, at least chase one at a time, okay? If you try to catch two rabbits at the same time, you run the whole day, okay? Single-minded, yet never narrow-minded. I like a statement I read one time, and this man said, some people aim so low, that's narrow-minded, they aim so low and achieve very fast. Some people aim low and achieve very fast, okay? Um, time, which is the enemy of non-achievers, is a friend to the achiever, okay? There is a statement I put out in our WhatsApp group concerning the whole of this um, Corona Manenos and um, who started it, what's happening, is it? And I was saying, look guys, we have time. In fact, I used a statement, I said, time is what we have and time is what we need. We need time and we have time. We will find out. So let's not knock the corners of our brain worrying about something which will begin to unveil itself in the fullness of time. Time or the passage of it is an issue as long as the big picture is in place. I repeat, time or the passage of it is an issue as long as the big picture is in place. Remember Jesus, the Bible says, for the joy set before him endured the cross. And now he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Why? The, the, the man stuck with the objective, the goal, the aim, the target. Even after being conned, that's uh, Jacob. Even after being conned, his, his business nature makes him cut another deal and went out for his desire. When he was conned about the first wife, I mean, the man simply says, okay, many part I'm still going to go for what I want okay I mean he could have given up become depressed and will all write books about how some people are really bad probably write a book on how to understand the con men and blah 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 but the man didn't do that he just simply says I've been conned you know good one I mean many but this is what I wanted and this is what I'm going to go for he knew what he wanted and went for it Okay? Don't be a slave of chronological time. Don't be a slave of this. This is chronometer, the watches we put on our wrists are called. Don't be a slave of chronological time. Okay? Operate in God's time, which is not susceptible and it is not um it is not um it is not a victim of chronological time. Number three, focused energy. Okay. I like what the Living Bible renders Philippians 3.13-14. to Listen to this, it's very important. Philippians 3.13-14, to using the Living Bible, it says, I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing. I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing, forgetting the past. King James would go forward and say, I press forward. But I like that part. I'm bringing all my energies to bear on this one. Okay? Forgetting the past, I press forward to the mark of the price of the high call of God. All my energies to bear. Okay? I remember giving uh, one time um, a principle that, a law which I was saying that um, when the desire of the soul is so intensified that it absorbs all your energies, then the time of fulfillment is not far. When the desire of the soul is so intense that it absorbs all your energies, then the time of fulfillment is not far. Okay? Now, 
For energy to be effective, it has to be channeled and focused on one thing per time. Okay? I mean, that's how the sun rays, you know, you know, can become can become fire, can produce fire, can can become can produce heat, can can burn a piece of paper if you use a certain lens and you're able to channel because basically that lens all it does it's channeling that 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 energy and giving it very very effective and powerful result. Um, the prevalent disease of non-achievers is um, poor focus. Now, I could have said lack of focus. I didn't say lack of focus. I think people have focus. But the question is, is it broken or is it singular? Is it channeled? Yeah, maybe somebody may say, you know, that guy doesn't have focus. The problem is not as it were lack of focus. The problem is broken focus, divided attentions, where we end up spreading our energies thin on areas where we have no competitive advantage. We've been doing so many things, spreading ourselves so thin, our energies are spread so thin that we end up achieving very little that is not worthy. Okay? So we need to be wary of that. Number four, um, principle of this gentleman, I will only give eight. Nothing keeps me down. Nothing keeps me down. Genesis 31 verse 7 says, Yet your father has deceived me. He is telling the wife, you know, your father Laban has deceived me, changed my wages. Hear this, church, 10 times. Can you imagine somebody's wages being, you know, negotiated downwards? 10 times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. You know, and you know, we've been saying, you know, you know, it's not really what happens to you, it's what happens in you. The man says, it didn't hurt me. It didn't hurt me. Okay? Your father has changed my wages 10 times downward. Nothing keeps me down. Resilience and tenacity do not being no slaves to circumstances and happening. And that's what achievers do. They are not slaves to circumstances and happenings. Nothing can break their spirits. I may be down, but not out. That is the spirit. Number five, I will find a way around it. I will find a way around it. Great men are thinking men. They are such as and usually experiment a lot. Let me put this in. Let me put this in. There are no experiences without experiments. <laughs> really. You want to experience marriage? <laughs> you've got to experiment. I mean, you want to experience swimming? You've got to experiment. There are no, you cannot experience without an experiment. In other words, there has to be that one moment when your feet get wet and you start the swimming process, okay? So, great men are thinking men. They are searchers and usually 
experimental law they are doing this biashara and it doesn't know and then he narrows to this one and he says let me try to do this and they're always experimenting on this and trying this other thing i found people who are very good with every theory in the world i mean they they can talk you to i mean you will be excited to listen to their motivation but they do not they don't they don't pull the trigger in their own lives because after talking after thinking after reading after doing all those things you've got to do something life rewards action not intentions <laughs> how can i put that better life rewards actions nobody dies and when we are reading the eulogy so we call it then we say he intended to build a house i mean really he intended to to, to have a great ministry life rewards action it's what we do okay and 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 this is critical especially for us in PSFC because i really don't want us to become laid back with a nonchalant laissez faire kind of attitude where we just sit back and just um, talk high sounding things which we do not practice inwardly okay i will find a way around it great men i love this after repeat it are thinking men they are such as and usually experiment a lot i found that most people who succeed don't know probably half as much as those who talk about stuff the difference between achievers and unachievers is the achiever pulls the trigger if he's talking business if he's thinking business he will try it out it might fail no big deal like jacob they are not put down okay they'll always find a way okay using his mind jacob generated his wealth he, he thought to 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 the champions and to the winners out there mistakes are not setbacks but they are springboards mistakes are not setbacks they are springboards you can also say mistakes are not setbacks but they are step back step back you know you know you move back so that you can be able to take gain momentum to jump to you know for high jump you need to move back slightly and then gain momentum and then build momentum another and then be able to 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 jump number 6 at times you have to take a risk now when i talk about risk i'm not talking about reckless risks I'm not saying you know let's go out there and just um, be very careless and um, and just um, do things for the fun of no 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 it's calculated it is land but eventually you have like i said earlier to pull the trigger if you read genesis 27 verse 22 if i can get it it says so jacob went near to isaac his father now this is a risk his father has ordered eso to prepare for him you know something to eat jacob went near isaac his father and he felt him the father felt him and then the father says the voice is jacob's but the hands are the hands of esau okay now that was a mighty risk okay but let me put it this way and finish with that point friends the greatest risk is to risk nothing the greatest risk is to risk nothing i am not saying we be reckless but i'm simply saying after you have done your research and done your study and checked out all that needs to be checked out you have to pull the trigger in whatever area 
we can't keep talking about going back to school or starting a new course or learning to play a keyboard or doing something. Eventually, after all is said and done, you have to pull the trigger. Nothing good comes without taking a risk. Number seven, which is my second last point on the Jacob philosophy, I will settle for nothing but the best. I cannot be denied attitude. I'll repeat that again. I cannot be denied attitude. This is a man who had what you call dogged determination. Dogged determination. I will settle for nothing but the best. If you read Genesis 32, 26, hope I can get this. Okay. It says, and he said, let me go for the day breaks. This, 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 is, this is Jacob wrestling with the angel. But he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Okay. Now, th this man will not let go. He will not let go. He, he's got this very dogged determination that I cannot be denied attitude. Um, humorously, I remember a gentleman who I knew way back when I got saved, you know, mid-80s, I think I probably knew him, 84, 85. Very interesting man. Very inter he, he's pastoring a church now, the last I checked in the U.S. He told us a story of how he was looking for a job and um, so he would go to this office and they would tell him, oh, we like your papers, we like your qualifications, blah, 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 blah. Uh, come tomorrow, we will have consulted, you know. So he comes the next day, they say, oh, sorry, we have not been able to get everybody together, you know, so can you come next week on Wednesday? So he will come the next week on Wednesday and then they say, oh, oh, sorry to tell you this, but um, we are yet to uh, conclude on this issue, you know, and, and, and they kept on pushing it. No, and, and, and this guy, in his very simple mindset, of course, he, he, he was a very prayerful guy for, for, for starters. He, he, in his very simple mindset, he, he, he goes to the office on the day he's supposed to show up next. And this happened, like I'm telling you. He finds, of course, the boss sitting on this huge, beautiful desk and behind this huge, you know, sitting on this lovely chair, you know, behind this huge, beautiful desk. And he proceeds to climb on the desk, kneels down and with the loudest, most uncouth voice, he says, Father, this is the one I was telling you about. You know? And he begins to pray and you know, tell God, this is the person who has been causing me issues. Of course he got a job. I mean, you know, he, he very dogged determination. There is, there is, there is um, a quote that goes, what must happen happens. Life answers to what it must. Life answers to what it must. You know, right now we are going through Corona, church, and I'm finishing. Let me tell you something. Corona must end because it is affecting just, it's affecting everybody. And you can bet your bottom dollar on that one. It will end. <laughs> it, it, it will end. You look for it. You will wonder what just happened. Because what must happen happens. I mean, stopped. I mean, we're talking of nations. The America, the mighty America we know is on economic doldrums. I mean, we are talking the Europe, we're talking Australia, Africa, in our only two way we've 
we have all this massive challenge and human beings always rise up when they are called to that test i strongly believe in the um prevailing or the triumph of the human soul especially when something must happen i mean people have kicked out empires people have kicked out colonialists in their countries with rudimentary weapons because they cannot they cannot and i think it was dedan kemati who was saying he would rather he would rather die on his he would rather die standing than live on his knees i mean they, when people are determined believe you me they will kick out just about anything okay life answers to what it must i will set up for nothing attitude the best or nothing for me that is my number 7 point and i call it i cannot be denied principle number 8 and finally um uh, i call it from nothing to something my final scripture is in genesis 32 verse 10 it says i am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all the truth which you have shown your servant for i crossed here that over this jordan with only my staff and now i have become two companies i have come as a huge tribe a huge group of people and massive but i crossed this jordan with only my staff my staff on the stick which he was leaning on okay the ability to multiply nothing into something is a hallmarkness what we call resourcefulness okay that ability there are many people who how can i put this um you know the bible says that uh, other people labored and we are entered into their labor there are people who initiate break the fallow ground and prepare the path for others okay these people have what you may call an apostolic mindset they break the fallow ground they go where they go to territories and chart new courses that people would otherwise be too scared even to imagine to do that's jacob for you okay the ability to multiply nothing into something is the mark of greatness being able to use or to take advantage of our means and arrive at a particular desired end okay yet for that to happen you have to cross the jordan there's a certain place you have there's a mentality shift there must be a new configuration of our internal system our operating system like the computers i have here there has to something has to change for it to be able to get to that that next level where our past dies and we make new decisions of the future cross crossing the jordan there are things that have to happen. i like the scripture that says in the year king uzziah died i saw the lord there are things that have to go for something else to happen you cannot see new lands unless you're willing to lose sight of the shows you, you can't hold on to the show and want to see new land it can, it really can happen that way okay you cannot see new lands okay unless you're willing to lose sight of the show okay you lose sight of the show to see new land okay so 
where our past dies and we make new decisions of the future. Old nature is wrestled into submission and the new man gains supremacy. You do things, or rather do things, multiply, or rather do things multiply, sorry, do things multiply in your hands or do they diminish? Do things multiply in your hands? If you are entrusted with something, do you refine it? Do you improve it? Do you enrich it? Do you embetter it? Okay? Because because that 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 is that is how we're going to the, the first commandment in scripture is to be fruitful. First first commandment be fruitful. If you look at that word and uh, try to get a related words, to be fruitful is to be productive, is to multiply, is to be full of returns and profits, is to be full of advantages. Okay? That's to be fruitful. And that is what the Bible says, Jesus speaking, he says, your heavenly father is glorified when you bear much fruit. Much fruit. Much fruit. So God is interested with fruit. So when stuff comes to us, we should improve it, make it better. When people come into our lives, they should walk out a little better, much better, much better, because we have imputed in them graces and virtues and values and things that are able to grow them to the people whom they were meant to be. I will stop there and I've taken a bit of time today. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Please look through the notes. So what we're going to do, um, we will have these notes on audio again and we will call it um, a Jacob Generation uh, Part 2. Okay? So you'll have to mix them together with the, what we did with the last Sunday's sermon. Then you have a much more fuller um, uh, word. And like I said earlier, I only went in this direction because of one Mr. Kemboy who said, Pasi, if it is possible for you to just get some more materials and help grow this word. And I think I've just done exactly that. Thank you again. God bless you. We will uh, talk with you soon. Thank you very much.